everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Ploer, and I'm the host of this weekly broadcast put on by Sped Homeschool, as well as the founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool. We at Sped Homeschool empower families to home educate children with learning challenges, and I encourage you to check out our website at spedhomeschool.com to learn more about the resources and support that we offer families. Um, each month, we focus our broadcast and blogs on a specific topic, and this month, we're focusing on public funding programs and and different ways that funding happens for homeschoolers, especially with struggling learners, and, and then help families use them. So um, tonight we're going to specifically talk about the pros and cons of public funding programs with uh, my guest, uh, TJ Schmidt um, from HSLDA. So um, welcome, TJ, and, and thank you for joining us um, tonight to just talk about this, because last Last week, we talked about um, some scholarship programs on our, our broadcast, and um, I kind of wanted to sandwich you in the middle <laughs> with these pros and cons um, topic, because next week, we're going to actually have a panel of parents who use these programs, and um, and I think parents need to see it in all lights, and so thank you for, for being on our show tonight and for just sharing the wisdom that you've gained over the years and interacting with, with parents who have used these programs and um, the the state um, requirements for that. Well, Peggy, it's glad to uh, be here with you and uh, certainly we have a great conversation and looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, I am too. And to kick it off, I would just um, love for you to tell our audience a little bit about HSLDA and what what is HSLDA? Maybe they don't even sure. know. Um, and then what do you do as a staff attorney for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association? Sure. Well, uh, as you said, HSLDA stands for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, and it was really founded back in 1983 by two attorneys who also mm -hmm. happen to be homeschool dads. And uh, at that time, homeschooling was kind of clearly legal in maybe half a dozen states. Um, yeah. And a lot of families who uh, had made the decision to begin homeschooling their children, uh, there was some dissatisfaction maybe with um, the education that their child was getting or the needed mm -hmm. alternatives. Mm -hmm. And right. so they began uh, hearing about homeschooling, but because of the, the status uh, across the country of the, the homeschooling laws or the lack of homeschooling laws, mm -hmm. many of these families were facing quite a bit of um, attack, uh, charges of truancy. Some were even mm -hmm. arrested, um, threatens yeah. that their, their children would be forcibly taken to school. So just mm -hmm. a real uh, different uh, kind of landscape than what we see today. Right, and so exactly. uh, Mike Smith and Mike uh, Ferris, obviously the two founding attorneys, uh, formed HSLDA. And it was really through the, the work of many uh, homeschool state groups, state leaders, and mm -hmm. HSLDA that over the next 10 years, from 1983 into the early 90s, that almost uh, 40 states either passed homeschooling laws where they had uh, favorable homeschool policies enacted right. uh, through lobbying the state uh, departments of education. Or, of course, there were also a number of really important uh, cases that were won in many of those, those states. Mm. So mm. that just opened up the homeschooling freedom and was kind of the foundation for what we see today. Yeah. Uh, and HSLD was really founded by um, these two homeschooling dads as a means for homeschooling families to, to join together uh, in order to advocate for homeschooling, to fight together for the right, right uh, for us to be able to teach our children at home. Mm. Um, and, yeah. you know, a lot of families don't necessarily realize this, but uh, many states at that time required you to have teacher certification in order to yes. be able to homeschool. Mm -hmm. uh, but thankfully, that the last state that required teacher certification, uh, that, that state law uh, was amended back in 1996 was the last time we've had that. Mm. Now, um, I've had the privilege of working at HSLD for almost 20 years. I started awesome. out as a, a legal assistant and um, I've been a state contact attorney for nearly 18 years uh, right now. Uh, I'm currently responsible for uh, eight states uh, and these states are from New York, uh, Florida, uh, Oklahoma, Arizona. So there, there's the place. <laughs> and um, we we really try to, um, as state contact, contact attorneys, try to have a, kind of a, 
uh, equal load. Uh, many states mm-hmm. have great homeschooling laws like Oklahoma, uh, Arizona. Uh, there's states obviously like New York that have uh, kind of the worst homeschooling laws in the country. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, a lot of what I do is answer legal questions, um, you know, help families who are dealing with problems within their homeschooling mm-hmm. program, whether it's through their local school officials, mm-hmm. uh, social services, right. you know, really all, all the whole gamut, mm-hmm. uh, anything to do with their homeschooling program. And uh, then most of the work that I do is really to defend the right of these parents to be able to teach their children at home, uh, to uh, be able to uh, kind of fulfill the, the decision that they've made yeah. and uh, be free from, you know, government interference or even attempts to prevent them from homeschooling. Um, and I, you know, most of what I do is to try to keep them out of court. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a litigation department. They deal with all those court cases. And, right. um, so anyway, that's that's kind of what HSLD is. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been around since 1983 and uh, kind of what we do as state contact attorneys. Yeah, well, well, thank you for giving us that history because uh, there's so many new homeschoolers now that do not understand the history of homeschooling within mm-hmm. the United States. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's such an interesting thing. And, you know, both of us know those pioneers that were, you know, threatened jail and all those things. And um, to hear their stories, it is just amazing. And you don't take for granted what we have. There are so many people that just think, well, we live in the United States, we homeschool. But if it wasn't for HSLDA and a lot of people on the ground in all of these states, our homeschooling freedoms that we have now would not exist. So no. thank you so much. No. Well, and you know, my, my own family, um, my, it took my parents two years to convince the local school officials to allow us to be homeschooled in the early 80s. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm really working at HSLD because of, in part, you know, the experience that my parents had right. and, you know, yeah. being able to help families who are facing that opposition. And, mm. you know, as I'm sure you know, many parents who have children with special educational needs, mm. um, you know, they're often, uh, you know, school officials kind of have a, a negative perception and, right. you know, they say, well, you, you know, how can you homeschool your child? They've got special educational needs and, mm-hmm. you know, we're here to try to help. And I know that's what you do is to help them be able to, you know, say, yeah, I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we tell parents often that, you know, you, you're going to deal with a lot more people outside of your homeschool than the typical homeschooling family. And having a membership with HSLDA is extremely important, uh, you know, in, in my book, it is because <laughs> we've used you um, and I have three struggling learners and um, I have greatly appreciated having that confidence and in, in being a member um, sure. of your organization. So yeah, uh, our pleasure to help as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I see we have quite a few viewers on with us. We have already a hello from Lisa Christina from, and she's watching on YouTube. Um, hi, Lisa. And so we are broadcasting right now on YouTube, Facebook, as well as Periscope on Twitter. And so if you're watching in any of those places, you can just comment in the feed. We'll see that. If you have questions, please do put those in. If you there's something we're talking about and you're, you want us to clarify or if you have an additional question, let us know. We'd love to, to answer those questions. That's why we do this live uh, instead of recorded. It's not always a perfect broadcast, but it's a good one. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we, um, we, we definitely value um, your participation with us. So, um, but I do have some questions um, already set up. So, um I thought we would, you know, start by talking about types of public funding available to homeschooling families with special needs children, um, and then why these programs are so different from state to state. Because a lot of times parents will come onto social media and they'll say, "This is what I get for my district or my state," and and then another parent would say, "Well, I I tried to get that, but I can't." And right. and so, um, what is, you know, what have you? What is the spectrum? And then why is the spectrum so broad? (laughs) Right. Well, first of all, um, it it, it can be very, very confusing. And one of the things that I would certainly encourage parents, if they haven't already checked out uh, the HSLD uh, website, you can go to www.hslda.org. And we have not only the state laws, what's required for your state to be able to homeschool, but we also have, you know, what you uh, may be able to get as a child 
or have a, a parent with a child who has special educational needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing that I would say is, you know, every homeschooling family, uh, really in any child who's school age, um, and, and that would uh, generally be in the public school uh, anywhere from uh, five to 21, uh, you can have your child be evaluated to determine whether or not they have special educational needs. Now, right. uh, we may talk a little bit later whether that's a, a, a good decision, but everyone has yes, the right to an evaluation. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, so so anyone can get that evaluation. And normally the way in which you would initiate that is you submit a written uh, request to have the school district evaluate child for special educational needs. Mm-hmm. They have to act under federal law within 60 days yes. to conduct that evaluation. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, COVID has kind of modified how they're it, they're yeah, conducting some of these evaluations, mm-hmm. but um, everyone is entitled to an, an evaluation that's uh, free, no cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it may be more extensive than what you're thinking, though, because they don't necessarily going to focus on, you already may know, say your child is struggling yeah. with dyslexia, or perhaps uh, your child has a, a you know, comprehensive issue, or, or you know they're on the mm-hmm. autism spectrum. Right. Uh, typically, though, the evaluations are going to be uh, comprehensive, uh, evaluation all across mm-hmm. um, the wide range of yeah. potential disabilities, um, and that they will determine whether or not your child is identified as having a disability. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this is where it kind of gets interesting because each state is different and they treat uh, students differently. Everyone is entitled to a free, appropriate public education. Mm-hmm. So everyone can yes. send their child to, to, to school. Unfortunately, you know, all the public education across the country is not always going to be the same, mm-hmm. but uh, you're entitled to a free appropriate public education. When you choose a private education, whether a traditional private school or a homeschool mm-hmm. program, uh, then that's where it kind of starts to uh, differentiate. And most states provide yeah. a, a lower level of services for non-public school students. Mm-hmm. Um, each state gets to determine whether they categorize homeschooling in a non-public school kind of category. Um, And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, there there are about 16 states that you are treated as a private school, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so like California, Kentucky, Texas, Um, Mm -hmm. many of those states will treat you as a private school when you're homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, in most of those states, you're going to be potentially entitled to some services if your child is identified as having a disability. And then there are a number of homeschool states where you're under a homeschool statute. Uh, you're still homeschooling when you're, um, you know, considered a private school student in those states right. that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But in a in a homeschool state, there are uh, several states that also provide services for homeschool students, like New York um, and and other states. So about half of the states will provide some level of services if your child is identified. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing a slight increase in that. Um, right. what, one of the things yeah. that I would certainly encourage you, like I said earlier, is to check out the HSLD website. We can give you some insight as to what potential services you could be entitled to mm-hmm. um, as a homeschool student and those services from the public school system. Um, again, I think we'll talk a little bit later on about whether that you know may or may not be the best decision for you and your family, mm-hmm. right. but um, that's one option. There are also then a number of states who've kind of set up, and I know you talked about this in your previous uh, podcast and broadcast, Mm -hmm. that uh, you have a number of states who are are kind of doing a a kind of like a scholarship, Mm -hmm. or sometimes they call it a savings account. Um, And most of these are uh, specifically focused on children with special educational needs. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them also include uh, maybe children who, uh, military family or yes. other mm-hmm. other ways in which they can qualify for that same educational program. Yeah. And and the, the general um, setup of these programs are they use public funds that's mm-hmm. deposited into, into account, and those funds then can be used for approved um, services or approved providers. Um, and then they could also be used for um, other things like curriculum or mm-hmm. other uh, programs, therapies, and things like that. Right. Uh, but again, because it's public funds, mm-hmm. uh, you typically have to follow certain requirements and, mm-hmm. and oversight. Yeah. Some states actually have this, the the Department of Education managing those accounts. Okay. Uh, then there are states like Florida with the Family Empowerment Scholarship. Right. I think you mentioned that last week, but yep. those are actually managed by third-party yes. uh, organizations. Mm-hmm. So 
again, there's a wide range. Um, and then you have yet other options of public funds. And those would be um, some of the like charter school or virtual mm -hmm. school options. Right. Yeah. Um, and some of these, um, you know, they'll provide both education and some services. Mm -hmm. Your child is, is still considered a private school. I'm sorry, a, a public school student. Public school, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But you may be, they may be educating in your home. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So sometimes it's very difficult for parents to, you know, well, whether this is a publicly funded program right. or a privately funded program. Mm -hmm. um, there are very few uh, private uh, programs that, uh, you know, would, would kind of provide the, uh, you know, the, the level of funding that you're going to find. So mm. if you, if you start hearing a significant amount of money, uh, that's generally a good idea that that's probably a, a, a publicly funded program. Mm. Uh, for instance, in Florida, the, uh, empowerment scholarship account, generally the base amount yep. is about $9,000. Um, so that kind of gives you a real brief overview of, of different options. Again, I think the hybrid, you know, the distance online hybrid programs can be very difficult. Um, yes. and yeah, certainly any, any parent who has questions, um, <laughs> you know, it's always a good idea to ask around, ask your local homeschool yes. support group, ask your mm -hmm. state organization, talk to, you know, those of us here at HSL day, obviously mm -hmm. you Peggy, um, yeah. you know, all of us can help, um, you know, clarify, you know, is this a public program? Is this a private mm -hmm. program? And right. um, it, I think going in, it's very helpful for you as a parent to know whether or not these programs are going to be uh, restricting you in mm -hmm. how you're educating a child or what yes. you're educating. So, mm -hmm. um, for instance, the scholarship programs, typically you can educate your child every way you want. Mm -hmm. They restrict, though, how you spend the money from the program. So, yes. you know, whether you're buying curriculum, whether you're using approved providers or uh, they're going to restrict how that money is spent, yeah. but they're mm -hmm. not going to necessarily restrict how you educate your child. Right. With the distance learning programs or the hybrid programs, mm -hmm. the charter schools, those kinds of programs, they restrict obviously how the child is educated as well. Yes. So, right. so again, that we yeah. kind of kind of mm -hmm. range of, um, you yeah. know, kind of uh, oversight uh, mm -hmm. restrictions in, in all those programs. Yeah, yeah, it's a trade-off because, like mm -hmm. you said, there's usually more funding in those more restricted environments and less funding. But, but again, like Florida, um, you know, talking to them last week, that up to nine thousand dollars on, you know, just about anything that you can um, put in for a request if you have an explanation as to why you need it. Right. Um, it's just depends on the program. Right. And it, it also depends on the state and how they've set up their program. So Florida's is a, is a very uh, broad, uh, I think probably one of the uh, leading the nation as mm -hmm. far as uh, just just wide open. Um, right. And I think Florida has has seen the fact that, um, you know, not every child is going to be able to succeed in a public school environment. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes uh, giving parents the flexibility to uh, be involved in making some of those decisions on how to best meet mm -hmm. the child's needs uh, in the long run is, is beneficial for the family, for the child, and for the state. Yeah, exactly. They spend well more than $9,000 trying mm -hmm. to educate a child with special educational needs in the public school. Right, and then they're spending funding past 18 to right. do even more um, follow-up work because they couldn't get it all in in the, you know, the sure. 11th or 12th grade. So, yeah, we see a lot of that. And so mm -hmm. it is it is beneficial to, to every party involved. Right. Yeah. So what are some of the pros or advantages of public funding programs and what they provide to families um, who have students that have special educational needs? Right. Well, so obviously, you know, parents who are homeschooling children with special educational needs is, is a challenge. And, mm -hmm. you know, as a parent, trying to do that privately is extremely difficult. Uh, if you look on average, the national cost um, for homeschooling uh, parents is about $300 for them. Three, three to $600 is about the average that they spend normally on homeschooling. But if you have a child with special educational needs, that cost is significantly higher than that because yes. obviously your child often needs uh, maybe uh, different evaluations. They may need accommodations. They may need mm -hmm. therapies or speech services or uh, a number of other things. And so it, it can be very cost prohibitive. 
So some of the, the benefits, obviously, of these programs is it, it takes some of that burden off of the parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does provide additional resources that you may not have. Right. Um, I, I've talked with a number of families who do have great insurance, and mm-hmm. some of their insurance will provide uh, yes. some of the therapies mm-hmm. and services. But um, many of the insurance providers, if, if you can get these services through the public school mm-hmm. for free, exactly. you know, they, they push you in that they, direction. Yep. And so mm-hmm. um, sometimes these scholarship accounts provide an alternative where you're not mm-hmm. um, having to send your child to the public school or bring them to the public school for the evaluation. You can choose right. who you want to use. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's one of the greatest benefits is, yeah. yes. you know, while you have to use approved providers, you get much more of a say in who mm-hmm. may be providing mm-hmm. therapy or services to your child. Right. In the public school, the public school, you just yeah, get who they have available. Right. And, and they're not always going to necessarily be working with you. No, um, no. They you know, very rarely want. work with the parents. It's mostly right. just the child. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I've, I've talked with parents who say, oh, you know, I want to participate in the services that my child's receiving so that I can do more at home. Right. You know, I want yeah, to be able to you know, do speech <laughs> yeah. services or, you know, maybe PT or OT uh, mm-hmm. services at home. And they're eager to be able to, to learn. And, and very few uh, public school programs will allow a parent to sit through those kinds of sessions. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, when you're doing a private program, um, you know, private, private therapist through these publicly funded programs, oftentimes right. you can... Um, be a participant in that, and then also, you know, that helps you in helping your child, you know, throughout um, the week and throughout the year more than just the, the therapy services that they may be receiving from the approved provider. So, again, I think we've talked about the the uh, financial resources or mm-hmm. uh, publicly funded programs, uh, right. the flexibility that many of them have, yeah. um, and you know, the more involvement that you as a parent can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those in those programs, right? Yeah, it is very restricted, and I don't don't think a lot of parents understand until I, I usually have to have a phone conversation explain to them that when the school is doing therapy versus you doing therapy through funding that's provided for therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, the school's ideal of your child graduating from that therapy program is that they can function as their peers in the classroom. And once they reach that level, they cut that program until your child falls down below that percentile again. And so it's this this constant up and down your child, you know, getting to a certain level, but not increasing beyond that. They they just right. get put back in until they fail again. Right. And it's not a it's not a not set up well. <laughs> right. Well, I think I think a lot of the public school officials, uh, you know, again, they're trying to manage and provide services to a wide range of, exactly. of children, mm-hmm. um, and they're not as motivated as as you as a parent are going to be in mm-hmm. uh, seeing your child. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to minimize public school officials, but they're trying to manage services for you know a, a large population. They have to draw a line somewhere, right. and that's just where they draw it, and and. Right. Legally, that's all the, the IDEA law requires. So they're 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 meeting the standard. Right. They they just need to provide an appropriate education, not necessarily an excellent or. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that word isn't there. Yes. Right. Yeah. So we have a couple questions from our viewers. Who willing to dive into that? Sure. Okay. So Lisa um, from YouTube asked, "Do you know anything about Texas homeschool advice? What I should know? I'm new." Sure. We all, Texas is, as I mentioned earlier, one of those states where you're operating as a, a private school. And uh, it, there's a really important case in Texas called the Leaper case. Mm-hmm. It was decided in the 80s. Um, there were a number of cases that were kind of consolidated. Uh, we we joined the Leaper case as a, a private attorney already fighting that case. But um, the that Leaper case basically said that uh, parents who are educating their children at home are to be treated as private schools, and the state cannot, you know, cannot regulate or cannot restrict private education. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a lot of freedom, uh, a significant yeah. amount of freedom in Texas than, say, compared to New York. Um, one of the things I would certainly encourage you to do is to find a local homeschool support group. Um, if your child is already in the public school, then obviously there's some steps that you'll need to take to withdraw them from the public school and to begin homeschooling. But normally... Um, there's no approval, there's no notification, there's no testing that you're required to do. 
mm-hmm. you have the flexibility to design and to uh, organize and operate your home education program as you see fit. And there's also no uh, limitations or restrictions on you know homeschooling a child with special educational needs. Mm-hmm. Most states don't add any additional requirements if your child has special educational needs, but Most. there are going to be a few states yeah. that have you know just either testing requirements that you may need to be aware of or other things. Right. Texas doesn't have any of that. And so you're going to have a lot more freedom and flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lisa you know, mentioned that um, your child did go to public school mm-hmm. uh, through seventh. And um, they left due to COVID. Yeah, right. And, and then um, obviously that I think you um, either you're now online. I'm not quite sure if you're now online or if you have... Um, if you've completely left online public school as well. So mm-hmm. um, if, if you do need to completely extricate you and, and your son, um, then we can we can certainly talk about that. And, and that's really what HSL Day is for, is to help each individual family, regardless of where you're at, to be able to help walk you through what you need mm-hmm. to do and get you kind of started on a successful home education program. Okay. Yeah. And I yeah, think and Lisa it, did say that she's completely did, left. Yeah. yeah, she she left. Um, it's she did say that they're still in the middle of evaluation. So so that that's something to just know that as a parent, you you know this is what um, TJ was talking about before as a homeschool parent. Those evaluations and those IEPs a lot of times will continue on once even you withdrawn your student. <laughs> right. Um, and so that's that's kind of tricky. Um, I know in some states when you withdraw the IEP stops, but sometimes it's not. And I know we had a question from um, Cindy here too on YouTube. She said, I'm trying to withdraw my son of his IEP, but they're not returning my phone call. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, So a lot of the times what I would suggest in that situation is is put things in writing. So, you know, communicate whether it's through letter or it's probably better right now through COVID to do that via email and communicate with the CSC or Committee of Special Education uh, either the chairperson or whoever your contact is for the IEP and make it clear and notify them that, you know, you you are going to meet your child's needs privately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's a good thing to kind of keep in mind when you do are withdrawing from IEP. Uh, sometimes the yes. public school officials, they kind of get it in their mind, as I mentioned earlier, that, you know, how can you as a parent, you know, hope mm-hmm. to be able to educate your child at home? You know, you're not... Uh, you know, qualified, or you don't have the specialized mm-hmm. training that our, our special education teachers do. And I, I would certainly disagree with that. I think you as a parent absolutely can mm-hmm. provide a, a great educational program. Um, and you have what's most important, and that is a desire to see your child mm-hmm. successful and to be educated um, and to have their needs met. So it's often a good idea when you are withdrawing from an IEP to notify the school district that you are going to have your child's need, needs met privately. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain to them how that's going to no, be done. Exactly. Um, they may and, ask. <laughs> right. And it, it could be, you know, through obviously through like sped homeschooling, through uh, HSLD special needs consultants. You can be getting mm-hmm. resources and help from, all, you know, all different you know, uh, areas all across the country. Right. Um, and, and maybe you have also uh, maybe someone that you see uh, on a quarterly basis or a regular mm-hmm. basis for your child as well. So right. um, <clears throat> withdrawing uh, is, is, that's typically how I would do it. Make sure that you're submitting written notice, telling them mm-hmm. that you're going to be withdrawing. Now, Peggy, as you mentioned earlier, each state kind of treats it a little bit differently, but yeah. federal law, uh, basically says that if your child has been identified as having a disability, the school district is legally required to continue to offer services. And so that's oftentimes why every year, usually, you know, at the time of the annual evaluation, Mm -hmm. you'll get a contact or a letter Mm -hmm. and and they will say, hey, um, we're going to have the annual reevaluation. Exactly. Um, Yep. So um, very common for that to happen. Mm -hmm. You can formally uh, completely withdraw yourself from the IEP. Normally, uh, depending on the state, they may want you to sign like a, uh, a, a form that says you're, mm-hmm. you're formally declining services. Right. Uh, exactly. A lot of parents are not quite sure whether um, that's the um, you know, best thing for them to do. What mm-hmm. I can say is, uh, you know, even though you may formally completely withdraw your child from an IEP, if things change and you make a decision, exactly. you know, maybe mm-hmm. a year or two down the road, 
and you, mm-hmm. you want to kind of reinitiate the process, you can do so simply by submitting that notice yeah. requesting a written evaluation, as I mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, it's not going to remove these services completely, yeah. but it will kind of get them off your back and that right. annual uh, requirement. Now, most families, I'm sure, are probably familiar with a triennial evaluation. So every three years. Every three years, yeah. Yeah. Uh And if that's not done, then typically that also is an indication that it's going to kind of phase out or time Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And so some parents, they may be time for that triennial evaluation. And and so they may say, well, I never got any further contact. Well, Mm -hmm. if you don't do that triennial evaluation, then that will kind of phase out your child's identification. Um, And so that may be a reason why you're not getting any further contact. That's that's good information to know because I know Lisa had asked about that, about the three years. Um, and I know we've heard from some parents that just over the years of having these conversations, parents are so scared to to refuse the services, like the school's going to come after them, like they're, they're harming their child. But you have every right as a parent, am, am I right on this, to say, yeah, absolutely. I don't agree with this. Yeah, and, and so no school district can force you or require you to continue to receive services or continue to be evaluated. In fact, just last week, I had to contact a school district in New York that was, uh, actually, I'm sorry, <clears throat> wasn't in New York, but it happens often enough in New York. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> um, I had to send them uh, some information because they were trying to say that, no, you had to continue with your evaluation. Uh, they wanted to actually transition their IEP to an IESP or uh, IEP stands okay. for Individualized Educational Plan. Mm-hmm. IESP is an Individualized Education Service Plan. Um, and it's an IESP is for, for non-public or, or homeschool students. Right. Um, and so they were trying to force them to continue that. The family said, no, we, you know, we don't want to do that. We want to do mm-hmm. a private evaluation uh, and meet our child's needs privately. Yeah. Um, and the school district wouldn't let them go. Mm-hmm. So we contacted them and, and pointed out that they have a right to, to stop and to decline that. Um, a number of years ago, we ended up taking a couple of these cases across the country where school districts were trying to force parents to continue to do this. And uh, we number, we won uh, those cases. We actually got the U.S. Department of Education to write a uh, amicus brief or friend of the court brief in our favor in support of mm-hmm. our position that, no, you, you can't be forced to continue to get these services. Um, and I would, again, I, uh, you know, I, I don't want to alarm any parents, but it is really important for you to say, hey, we're going to meet our child's needs privately. Uh, that will often cut off any kind of um, attempt by the school district to say, well, you know, you're not meeting your child's needs. You know, right. do we need to refer this to, you know, some CPS agency or, or CPS? Something. Yes, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have seen that on an occasional basis. It's not a, a regular occurrence, but I find that if you do inform the school district that you're going to meet your child's needs privately, that often eliminates, you know, even that remote possibility. That's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, um, that's, it's nice to have that wording for, for some parents who don't know exactly what to say in, in those instances. Um, so we've talked about the pros and we're kind of moving towards the cons, <laughs> but um, we have one question from a viewer I thought um, that we would start that off with, and then we'll maybe talk about some of the other um, cons with this, this um, or disadvantages that, that you know come with these advantages. It's just the way it goes. Um, but Brandon on YouTube had asked, what are your thoughts on the current push in Pennsylvania for public funding for homeschoolers? Should we be wary of attached government intervention if something like this worked well in other states? So I'm not familiar with Pennsylvania. What's wh- Who's behind it and all of that? I'm assuming you probably are, TJ. <laughs> You know, I mean, every year um, there seems to be uh, somewhat of a push for uh, publicly funded. Um, in most of these situations, what we find are it's a it's a movement towards more, um, you know, control or oversight. Mm-hmm. Because when mm-hmm. you're using public funds, then obviously the state has a responsibility to ensure that public funds are being spent in a way that's. Um, <clears throat> you know, meaningful and yeah. right, mm-hmm. right. And, exactly. and that there's. There is accountability for that, mm-hmm. um, and so um, I would say the cons, typically in public food, pr- publicly funded programs, are that there is more control, there's more oversight. Now, some states, as I said, have you know found a way to to kind of balance that mm-hmm. um, and provide a lot of flexibility 
Uh, right. But usually, like I said, the number one requirement is how the money is spent. So mm-hmm. whether you have to submit receipts and document what you're purchasing right. or use approved providers or mm-hmm. approved services, um, there is going to be some control. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it varies from state to state on what exactly is going to be necessary in the program, the right. publicly funded program, but there is going to be always more additional requirements. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some states, there's uh, assessment options or right. other oversight. Um, we have seen even states where there's regular teacher contact. In other words, that they, you know, particularly on like a charter or online school program, they often want regular public school teacher contact. Mm-hmm. And in some, mm-hmm. some of these situations, I had a parent one time uh, get contacted by their, their child's online teacher and say, oh, I need to talk to your child. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, basically an hour a week conversations. And uh, oh, by the way, mom, you, you cannot be on the phone. And so, of course, mm. that alarmed mom that, you know, right. why is the teacher having these private conversations with her teacher and she mm-hmm. couldn't be on the phone with her. Mm. Um, and so, you know, again, you, you, you have a lot more oversight, a lot more regulation, a lot more control in these situations. Um, and, <clears throat> and then, like I said, uh, they kind of restrict perhaps how those funds are. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the discussion about the Pennsylvania funding, I think, is, is again, what we're seeing increase. Some of it is due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Some of it is something that has always been done. But right. I think because so many school districts and states are seeing uh, parents who are, are looking for alternatives and mm-hmm. have found private homeschooling as a potential option for them. Yeah. Um, some of these states and some legislators are very concerned that, oh my goodness, you know, we're, we're not going to know how these children are, are doing. You know, how are they, you know, progressing? Uh, mm-hmm. Are they falling through the cracks? Uh, I think most parents who've made a decision to homeschool them, uh, you know, realize this is not a, it's, it's not a, um, you have to have a commitment. It's not an easy decision. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, there are some parents who, who will try homeschooling and they realize, you know, it's not for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the vast majority of parents who've made that commitment, made that leap, you know, it, it is a challenge. But I think it's absolutely something that's worth it. And, um, you know, obviously both of us are here to help uh, families who are, who are making that plunge to be able to mm-hmm. homeschool their children. So, again, that's kind of the maybe some of the, the cons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the publicly funded programs, again, I think the increase that we're seeing them is really an attempt by either public school officials or, or state officials to kind of entice people back into the system uh, in some form yeah. or other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be yeah. necessarily mm-hmm. critical. I'm just saying that that's, uh, I think, one way in which they're seeing as a, as a possible option to entice people back in. Mm-hmm. Um, for those parents who are, are looking for more flexibility, more yeah. choices, uh, typically you're going to find that in a non-public or, or you know, home education program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. And we... We've been hearing a lot of mixed things from our community still, you know, trying. People have been going in and out since COVID started and not really, you know, finding what what works really well. And um, it's hard to be in that middle place when in it, it when you get offered funding and I'll teach your child, it's so enticing. <laughs> but I, I am often reminded by by parents who have homeschooled the long run. And they said, yeah, I remember though what it was like when my kids were in school. And that's what reminds me to keep trying, <laughs> you know, on those hard days when everything is going wrong at home. <laughs> so... Um, because it, we forget so easily that, um, yeah, sometimes it's just easier to, to not, um, take all the help and our kids don't have as much anxiety and other things with all the things right. that the, the hoops that we have to jump through and right. they just aren't made to do that, especially our, our special needs learners. Yep. So, yeah, so important. Um, so you know, can you share any stories? I guess you've shared some that um, illustrate maybe the pros and cons that you've seen over the years and parents using 
these types of programs. If there's, you have a couple more that you haven't shared already. <laughs> sure. Well, um, you know, so I, I do have the opportunity to talk with families who have found their uh, local school district and their state does provide services uh, that, that meets their child's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I can't stress enough the fact that um, if, you're, if you're considering getting services through your local public school uh, district, talk with your local homeschool leaders, talk with your local support groups, because that will give you an idea, not only maybe, um, you know, in looking at what HSLD can provide as far as what your legal, you know, mm-hmm. what you're legally entitled to, what you, what may be the options out for there, but you can find more about the practical side of things. Uh, right. Are the services uh, really going to, you know, meet our needs? Are they going to be beneficial? Mm-hmm. How flexible is the state with the provision of services? Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, yeah. Well, it may even vary from district to district too. Yeah, you know, it can. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, so for instance, in New York, uh, homeschool students are entitled to special education services through the school district, uh, and they are provided a much higher level than in, in uh, other states. Uh, mm-hmm. Both non-public and homeschool students are kind of equally um, able and eligible to receive services. Uh, however, uh, there are some challenges with. Um, in order to receive services uh, in the public school system, you have to be uh, fully vaccinated or immunized. And mm-hmm. that that may be an issue with a child who has uh, a disability. Right. Uh, some parents yeah. may um, have found that their child is, is allergic or, or has mm-hmm. a uh, contraindication to some vaccinations or immunizations. Right. Yep. And New York has done away with all religious exemptions uh, and it's extremely difficult to get a medical exemption in those situations. Right. So, um, you know, th- those kinds of situations and uh, unique issues are, are, again, something that I would encourage you to talk with us here at HSLDA. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I've, I've talked with a number of families who, uh, like I said, have found that, you know, the, while they're entitled to services, um, those services that are being provided are not really... It's taking more time for them to bring the child to the public school, to transportation back and forth, um, you know, for 45 minutes of services uh, one day a week or or two days a Mm -hmm. week. And it's just, it's not effective for their child and their needs. So, um, and then there's also families who uh, have used programs like Arizona's uh, you know, scholar- empowerment scholarship program, program. Yeah. scholarship mm-hmm. program, or Florida's family empowerment scholarship program, mm-hmm. um, that it does provide a you know amazing uh, you know uh, scope of resources that they wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to do without those programs, uh, right. and it has allowed them to uh, not only provide a high quality home education program, but it also allows mm-hmm. them to meet their child's special educational needs in ways that they wouldn't necessarily be able to do. So right. again, I think it, it just depends on on what state you're in, what school mm-hmm. district you're in a lot of the times. Um, we're here to try to help you in understanding. Um, yeah. But you know, there, there are even some other alternatives and I, I think you, you are you know, kind of wanting to talk about and, and something that we really haven't talked about and that is are there any private options you know, right, to get services? Exactly. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. And so um, HSLDA has a private service. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about that, TJ? And then um, we'll we'll talk a little bit about HSLDA as a whole too sure. after you talk about the Compassion um, grants. Yeah. So uh, HSLDA uh, Compassion um, is something that we have been working with for many, many, many years. So over 27 years, HSLDA has um, you know, worked to provide HSLDA Compassion. And the motto of HSLDA Compassion is helping homeschoolers through hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have um, the ability through HSLDA Compassion to help families. Um, and this is entirely private. This is not publicly, no public funds. These are mm-hmm. private funds. Private individuals have donated to HSLD Compassion. Uh, most of these families are, are homeschooling families themselves. And uh, the HSLD Compassion is able to provide uh, funds for curriculum, special education needs services, mm-hmm. disaster relief, or even you know emergency assistance. Yeah. Um, you know, we have specific funds that are set up for 
um, widows or widowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have funds that are set up for military families, special needs families, uh, single parents, uh, and then mm-hmm. you know even just a uh, just a, a general uh, emergency fund or disaster relief fund for. Uh, situations like the tornado or, or hurricanes or, right. or um, you know, the fires in California, mm-hmm. all of those situations through HSL Day Compassion, we've been able to reach out and minister to families who've had a need. Maybe they've lost all their curriculum or their child has special educational needs and they're looking for funds to be able to conduct a private evaluation. They don't right. want to seek yeah. that evaluation through the public mm-hmm. school system right. um, just because of the challenges in that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, HSLDA, like I said, for the past 27 years, has been able to give away millions of dollars that is raised privately. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, um, you know, we generate all the, you know, we donate all the staff time that's necessary. Uh, we try to do everything possible so that 100% uh, or nearly 100% of all those donation, donated dollars mm-hmm. are then passed like along that. to families who have these types of needs. So, I would certainly encourage you to take a look at it. This is something that mm-hmm. um, you think that maybe perhaps your family would benefit from. You can right. go to hsla.org and uh, click on our, our link for HSLA Compassion. Um, and you can talk with a number of our great um, uh, compassion ladies there who can walk you through some of the options that might be available to you. Um, and, um, you know, again, it's it's... The, the motto of HSLD Compassion is really to help any homeschooler through the hard times, regardless of what the circumstances that they're facing. We're wanting to try to provide an alternative um, other than maybe public funded. Again, mm-hmm. there are some great public funded programs, but right. not necessarily going to meet every family's needs mm-hmm. in the way that, that you want to see. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. I I learned that because I had a representative in from Utah yet last week on our show, and their program, even though it was approved by the state, it is a publicly, or it's not publicly, but it's a privately funded, so they go out and seek donors okay. to fund that program, although the state has approved for this to happen, and that's right. the reason that, and that's a, a brand new program. So it might be a new model that um, we'll be starting to see more of as individuals um, pour themselves into that. I know she's she's working really hard <laughs> trying to help families that are struggling, and it's, it's I told her, it's a good work. Right. Uh, because yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much need out there. Right. But, yeah. So so then tell us um, a little bit more about, about HSLDA and the benefits and services provided for families, especially struggling learners, sure. um, so that our parents know just what um, what they can benefit sure. from by being a member of HSLDA. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, uh, most people who have heard and we've kind of talked about some of the legal side of things as a state contact attorney, you know, I provide legal assistance on what uh, is legally required for you to begin homeschooling, how to withdraw and extricate yourself from the public school uh, and and many of the legal questions that may come up in uh, kind of your decision to homeschool. Um, We and, and we have attorneys on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, typically I'm on call Tuesday evening. So if there were an emergency caseworker situation, you know, that might be something that I would get a phone call on. Um, we, we have backup attorneys and we, we make sure that we have an attorneys on call like this at 24 hours, seven days a week. But besides the legal aspect, you know, I think what's even more important is the, the type of support that we provide uh, to families who need more practical assistance, mm-hmm. particularly families with special educational needs. We, we mm-hmm. have, um, I think, four or five special needs consultants. I think uh, now. now. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. We just had one more uh, hire that we just hired recently. Um, and these are ladies who provide a lot of individualized uh, assistance, mm-hmm. information, uh, just talking with parents who are trying to homeschool a child with special educational needs. They're able to provide information, support, resources. Uh, we even uh, rent out evaluations uh, mm-hmm. that you can do at home. Um, all kinds of different ways in which we try to support families. And yeah. and really a wide range of special educational needs. We've got a number mm-hmm. of uh, reading consultants, yeah. uh, those who are mm-hmm. uh, familiar with a wide range of special educational disabilities. 
um, that we can point you to. In addition to our special needs consultants, we also have early years consultants. We have high school consultants. Mm -hmm. uh, we have individuals who can talk with you at kind of every step of the way, uh, whether you're looking for curriculum, whether you're trying to prepare your child's GPA and, and their transcript, mm -hmm. uh, preparing them to get into college, um, or you know, for employment, regardless of what your question may be, we have consultants who can provide some assistance in that. Yeah. And then also, um, HS Holiday sends out both a weekly uh, email to anyone. It's free. If you're mm -hmm. interested in signing up, you can sign up and get a weekly email on kind of the, the latest issues that are going across the country. Mm -hmm. yep. We have a quarterly magazine that we send out. Mm -hmm. um, and it has a lot of great topics and articles yeah, that are relevant to homeschooling families. Um, and then also, um, as an HSL Day member, you're also helping us not only do all those things and, and maybe providing support to you directly, but you're also providing kind of broader advocacy and support for homeschooling on a much broader level. So we work very closely with state organizations, local homeschool leaders all across the country to make sure that we're protecting homeschooling freedom in each and every state. So we, we help uh, monitor legislation on both the state and a federal level. We work with homeschool leaders when uh, either negative bills or positive bills come up that are, could impact homeschooling freedom. Um, you know, so we, we see bills like uh, trying to lower the compulsory tenancy age. A couple of years ago, uh, D.C. wanted to lower it to two years and nine months. Oh, um, wow. Now, there's a lot of reasons why they want to do that. But, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, we kind of watch um, those kinds of issues. We also, you know, try to advocate for greater homeschooling freedom mm -hmm. to give more flexibility to parents. Um, we, we do look for... Uh, programs like some of the you know publicly funded programs. We want to make sure that they're not going to negatively impact homeschoolers mm -hmm. and then also be a positive um, support maybe to families who, who, who would benefit from them right. um, and provide them with as much flexibility as possible. So uh, we, we do all those things. Um, mm -hmm. Also, you know, we're very involved in research on homeschooling, uh, both in helping encourage research on homeschooling compiling mm -hmm. research on homeschooling. Uh, it can be very helpful when we're dealing with legislation right. uh, because legislators want to know, well, well, how are homeschoolers doing? Mm -hmm. How do they compare maybe to public school students? Yeah. Um, and then obviously media, um, you know, we've all seen articles uh, probably due to the increase in homeschooling because of COVID. I think mm -hmm. a lot of families mm -hmm. are looking. Yeah. Um, and so we are very involved in kind of media uh, communication. We also deal with negative, uh, you know, media. So you may remember uh, a year or so again uh, in Harvard, Professor Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Bartholet came out and said that you know she believed homeschooling should you know should be illegal or or regulated. And so you know we get involved in those situations, mm -hmm. reminding people that um, you know we have seen such a tremendous uh, success within the homeschooling movement. And much right. of it is due to the fact that there's flexibility, that parents get to exactly. be in control and get to decide what's best for their children and for their family. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, even even little things such as uh, your HSLD membership can, um, you know, provide uh, other benefits, save you money. Um, you know, my wife, for instance, oh, yeah. uses her, <laughs> you know, her, her HSLD membership as a teacher discount at like uh, a number of different uh, stores, you mm -hmm. can get discounts for insurance, hotels, mm -hmm. um, yeah. so many different things. Different <laughs> so that things. that's yep. really anything to do with homeschooling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to probably see uh, us here at HSLD involved at some level. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, we couldn't do everything without, you know, strong state homeschool organizations, homeschool support groups and leaders. Exactly. You know, a lot of parents are providing, uh, and, and obviously you, Peggy, and Sped Homeschooling and other programs that are meant to help and assist families who are homeschooling their children. Mm -hmm. It's a cooperative effort it where is. I think yeah. we're all advocating uh, because we've seen, you know, honestly, we've seen the benefit in our own families. Mm -hmm. you know, I was homeschooled much of my life. You know, my wife and I are homeschooling our own seven children. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you've been homeschooling. You know, all yeah. of these, you know, uh, things have had an uh, impact. And, you know, one of the reasons why we do what we do here at HSLD. 
Mm, that's awesome. Yes. And um, Faith Barons, who is one of the struggling learner specialists for HSLDA, is actually on the board of directors for SPED Homeschool. Right. So um, so we have a great partnership and we are so excited that HSLDA actually provided us a grant um, for this coming summer for our first family camp that we're going to be doing in Minnesota with um, partnering with the Ministry of Johnny and Friends. Oh, great. And um, so, so that's going to, the, the funding that we're getting from HSLDA is actually going to help us to pay for for our, our volunteer coordinator, which we're going to have 70 volunteers at this camp because wow. we're going to have one-on-one buddies for every child. And um, and also for the family coordinator because every family that comes in has an interview and we go through the process of what are your food allergies? You know, it, it's a, it is a complicated effort to have a family camp <laughs> for, right. for 20 families. But, um, but we're super excited to be able to offer that first um, special needs family camp um, in partnership with Johnny and Friends because right. we're hoping to grow that that um, ministry out. I know Steve Demme, who is the, the chairman of our board, mm-hmm. has been working with um, that, that ministry for years and has um, helped us to bridge that um, that partnership. So, um, well, it sounds like exciting, exciting uh, opportunity and program and uh, mm-hmm. can't, can't wait to hear how that goes and uh, I'm sure it'd be yeah. great, great time for those families. Yes, yeah. And we have HSLDA to thank for, for some of that funding. So we're... Um, so thankful and yeah and but but definitely do check out um, what TJ was talking about and the membership benefits that come with that you know a lot of parents are just needing that somebody to reassure them to walk alongside them and and then also you know I I never thought I would use HSLDA services until my my son graduated and then went to Florida to go to trade school and they asked for his required you know attendance because in Florida of course right. that's one of the requirements or was um, and we lived in Minnesota so we never tracked it right. and um, and so all I had to do was say well we can get you in touch with HSLDA <laughs> and they went oh no we're fine <laughs> and you guys didn't even have to do anything just your name right. and you know saying we're going to connect with you was enough um, so, yeah. but that it is a reassurance as a parent, knowing that, you know, if I do have an issue, I've got somebody backing me up that knows a whole lot more than I do. <laughs> well, and, you know, I, it, I I certainly appreciate all the hard work that many, you know, parents do, obviously, in the educating of their children mm-hmm. and those who've gone before. Because, uh, you know, Florida, uh, we do see this occasionally when you're, you know, so your child is going to school in another state and a, a lot of those states or the colleges or the, you know, Votech school mm-hmm. uh, may have some questions. Well, you know, they're, they're saying, well, you need to have this because they're okay. they're thinking of the requirements of their state. Their state, and, yes. uh, Which is good you know, to even know that because some yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, 15, 20 years ago was much different right. you know, situation mm-hmm. even then. We've seen a tremendous... Yeah. Uh, change over the years. And a lot of it, again, has been those pioneers and, Mm -hmm. you know, families and students, uh, state leaders, obviously HSLDA getting involved from time to time Mm -hmm. in making sure that they are educated about what is homeschooling. Yes, it's a legal option. And, you know, uh, it it is certainly uh, can be an excellent educational program that is, should be treated as any other high school graduate or any other, uh, you know, student who's applying to college or these programs. So exactly. um, yep. it's yep. great when you hear those stories and um, glad that your your son was able to, to get through that program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was, it was a good, good first away from <laughs> home for him. <laughs> and then he came back and went to college. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Still, it's good to have a trade. Well, yeah. thank you so much, TJ, for taking time tonight to share with us um, just all the, the wisdom. Definitely, um, it was important information that um, our our community needs to know about. And um, just thank you for all that you're doing to support homeschooling families. Well, my pleasure, Peggy, and uh, glad to be on with you. And, and certainly, <laughs> trust has been helpful. And, and please let mm-hmm. us know how we continue to, to help and support you and, and the families that you serve. Yeah, definitely. We'll do that. And I also want to thank our audience for joining us on this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Um, just This is just one of the many resources we have at Sped Homeschool available to families. Um, we do have uh, the number one special needs homeschooling blog. And actually tomorrow, the new blog that's coming out is written by a parent who used the funding in Arizona. 
Um, TJ probably knows her, Allison Natalia. Um, she wrote an article. She has six kids with special needs. So um, you can imagine the funding that they needed for, for services for, for six kids all um, having those those learning struggles. Um, so, so yeah. And um, next week, we're going to be continuing this conversation, and we're going to be talking about um, how different families use public funding programs. And so we're going to have um, three parents on with us who are just going to share their experiences and what they found, um, maybe the hiccups, the benefits, and, you know, kind of all that in between. And, and so we um, just encourage you to, to join us again then. So, um, so yeah, so I hope you can join me for, for that episode. It will be the final one for 2021. And then we're going to be switching to an afternoon format. I need my Tuesday evenings. This has been uh, almost four years running straight. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to some lunchtime chats instead. <laughs> but um, but thanks again, TJ. And um, thank you to all of you for, for joining us. And we'll see you in here next time on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Good night, everyone. Night. <laughs>